Hey, Zombro fans, Russell Twist, I'm back here for yet another wonderful week of Zombro's action. This week, I'm joined once again by my worldly co-host across the entirety of the Atlantic Ocean. How are you doing, John? Glad to see you had a safe trip. I'm Mr. Worldwide. Uh, oh, God. Only <laughs> oh, God. Wonderful. Well... Uh, Mr. Worldwide, I am so happy you could get here. So if we have any issues or any lag stuff right now, John is actually coming from Germany. So we're going to be working this out as best we can, but I think we got a good setup this week, knock on wood. So I'm excited that things might just be able to go as smoothly as we can. That's why we got in early to make sure there wasn't any tech errors and issues that we were having in like in previous weeks and why last week we couldn't have a show was just because all this was going on again our apologies to tim hansen for having to reschedule on him so many times but that show lost in time will be available to our patrons so me and john are going to go out of our week way to record an extra show besides our bonus shows that'll be coming up uh very soon do you want to get into those dates and announcements sean before we get into things yes so so this is a uh, i'm calling it an episode out of time uh, this is a phrase I'm stealing from the podcast cortex. Mm. Uh, so because we couldn't, are, are you getting me? I am your screen froze at the moment, but your audio is still. I okay. So I'm just me. praying right now. Uh, I'm just going to keep going. Just yes. Keep going, John, please. He can't hear me. Oh God. Keep going, John. Oh no. He's panicking. I can hear you, John. I'm here for you. God damn it. We were good for an hour and a half. Everything was fine. Yeah. Oh, you're back. <laughs> Oh, right. good. Yeah, no, we can hear you. You were good. I, I was just saying, keep going. You got this. You got this. All right. It's, All right. A, it's an episode out of time, which mm -hmm. I've stolen from the uh, the podcast Cortex. And the idea is that uh, we're going to do a show. It won't be live uh, and upload it, and it will be only available to patrons. This will be an exclusive thing. So if you want this, episode, you are going to need to become a patron. There is a link in the description. Mm -hmm. We appreciate the support if you want to. This is because kind of we hadn't promised it, but like we typically do four shows a month. And for people who support the show, we want to make sure that they are getting their money's worth. So mm -hmm. you guys are going to get that extra bonus. It's not really a bonus show. It is the show, but it's just going to be exclusive to you guys who are paying and supporting us. So we appreciate that. Mm -hmm. and thank you. And on top of that, we have some great things coming your way. We have a patron call. Um, we're just going to tell you now early in advance so you guys can get ahead, but there will be a patron call mm -hmm. May 27th at 4 p.m. Eastern time. This is also 10 p.m. Central European time, if you're <laughs> like me now. <laughs> um, I'm going to have the getting getting used to these time zones is going to be very difficult. Um, we also have uh, two bonus episodes coming up. We're recording one on Tuesday, and that should be up probably Tuesday. Mm -hmm. uh, then we'll record one in the following week. We also have our monthly AMAs. You can find that in the Zombros Discord by going to the AMA tab. And lastly, and most important, our number one goal is to make sure that the patrons are happy. Mm -hmm. You guys are the people that support this show. They are the reason this show continues to happen week in and week out. Mm -hmm. I and mean, we used to just miss shows willy-nilly because it was like, it doesn't matter. Like Zombros really doesn't make that much money. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's like, if we miss a show, who cares? But now that we have the Patreon, we make sure that we don't ever miss episodes. Mm -hmm. And this is because we realize that there is a strong support for this show. And you guys mm -hmm. are incredible. But we want to make sure that not only are you guys getting the shows, but also making sure that you guys are satisfied with what you're getting. And so now we've been doing this for a year and we've created a survey. You can find this in the announcements tab of the Zombros board. And in that tab, or in that 
we just want to gauge what you guys think, which rewards you like, which ones you think can be improved, um, what you think of the show, how we can improve the show, how we can better incorporate you guys, the patrons into the show. All of this, you guys are the number one supporters of this show, and we want to make sure you guys are treated as such. Mm-hmm. Absolutely so we have agree. that we have that survey. I would absolutely love it if every patron were able to fill it out, even if you were a former patron. Mm-hmm. Please do fill it. Actually, I guess former patrons don't they, have access. They to don't. It. So. Uh, don't become a patron just to fill out the survey. Become a patron just because you want to support us. But we want to make sure that you guys are having your voice heard and also making sure you guys are contributing to not only the future of the Patreon, but the future of the show. Mm-hmm. So it'd be really important if you guys could do so. We would love that. And I think that takes off every Patreon announcement. Yes, um, absolutely wonderful. AMA, survey, all can be found in the Discord. Mm-hmm. Episode out of time exclusive. The patrons will also be coming at some point. Mm-hmm. And I believe all the episodes are caught up on Spotify and iTunes, so you can always listen to them on the road if you guys enjoy that. And I think we need to now get into the breaking Jason Schreier story of Kotaku. For anybody who doesn't know who this individual is, this is the same man that broke the Bioware, as everyone kept calling it, bombshell article about Anthem and all the issues it had behind the scenes. And then he followed up with another massive uh, article in the gaming industry that is slipping my mind uh, as I kept trying to figure out. I know he's in a bunch of them, but he's considered one of the gaming journalists that is most trusted, and he gets the big stories, at least of, of recent. And he just got a big story, unsurprisingly, uh, about Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Uh, especially unsurprising because in 2020... Treyarch is now taking over the game, the Call of Duty title that should be released for 2020. So after Modern Warfare 4 comes out in November 2019, Treyarch has another title coming out in November 2020. This is going back to the old schedule where they used to flip-flop yearly releases with Infinity Ward. But there's a whole lot to unpack before, like when we get into those details. What I, I find most interesting is the information coming from this is like there was no avoiding an article like this coming out and people saying and expressing their concerns. Like the big thing I got initially from this, John, because I want to hear what your first reaction was. Mine was, I can't imagine the stress, the crunch and the workload now dumped onto these developers that Activision, I, I imagine this is how it went. Activision said, things aren't working out. We need Treyarch to step up and release a game next year. And I and Treyarch head said, "Okay, I guess that is what we're doing, because you uh, fund us, so that's what we're doing." Uh, what What was your just initial reactions to this? That Treyarch is taking over for Sledgehammer and Raven. We'll get into the details about them later. What What was your reaction? Okay, I, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, okay, I guess sure. I'll get to them as the as the show goes on. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so my first reaction was, this seems about right. Not mm-hmm. as in this seems about right, like this is the right decision to make, but I mm-hmm. was not surprised. Not because that like Sledgehammer was the slacking developer, mm-hmm. but because Treyarch and Infinity War have a history of being able to deliver a Call of Duty in two years. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, it it also just felt like Call of Duty was in need of a shakeup and in need of a change. Sure. Um, it seemed like the three-year development cycle didn't improve the quality of games. And I think maybe that's what they found. Mm-hmm. My thought process right now is that Call of Duty is in need of a shakeup. Activision sees that, and they want to do that shakeup with this new Treyarch Call of Duty. So I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if this 2020 
Treyarch Zombie, or not Treyarch Zombies, but Treyarch Call of Duty is a complete shakeup, maybe even a bucking to the formula. Mm-hmm. That's my anticipation right now. Um, to me, this just seems like I'm a greater change. What I do really want to know is who leaked this information. I'm curious. Okay, John's lagging a little bit. John, are you still there? Can you hear us? We appreciate your patience with this. Again, we're still working out all the Germany connections right now. First time our show has had to deal with uh, international, with the co-hosts, figuring out uh, without having stable sources. Okay, you're back. F- wonderful. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, how I much can. All the way. Yes, yes. We got all that. So we got all the way to your point about wondering where this came from and like Sledgehammer sentiments about like losing Call of Duty. So let me bring up some points that Jason commented about uh, that the this came from developers. Obviously, he's not going to name which ones, but this definitely sounded like frustrated Raven. Sledge and Treyarch developers all contributed to this uh, leak because cause, Sledge, cause you know it, had, it had to have come from somewhere. Like these 100%. things just don't, don't leak. He had multiple like, sources. Like, he said multiple like, people. Okay, good. That, uh, that's actually that makes it interesting because you know, like if this came out, it was because people wanted it out. Yes, and I think because um, what the article expressed was that Raven got the lead on this game, and they were making a Cold War game. They're going to the <sighs> Vietnam War. And Raven had the lead, and Sledgehammer was supporting on this game. They could not agree. Things were not going well. And typically, you know how there's those check-ins where the big CEO will come in and play the game early? This happens in every publishing, every industry. Um, They said it was a mess. And this is the same thing. Like, God of War went through this recently. I saw in their behind-the-scenes documentary. The CEO sat down and said, this is a mess. This is not fun. You guys got to get it together. Anthem was the same way with BioWare. He sat down and he said, this is awful. And then they put the jetpacks in. He's like, okay, now it's a better game. These are the things that shape the process. And so Activision is at that big present the game, right? This is the gaming industry. Here it is. Now we got to show our investors what we've made so far. And they were not happy. So they said, okay. There was reports that meetings would happen between Sledge and Raven getting nowhere, and the individuals would be on calls for long hours and just end in disagreement. So I believe Activision steps in here and says, you're done. You're now supporting Treyarch. Treyarch, you got the game. You're making it. So now Treyarch's going to be taking what Raven and Sledge already made. They're taking that. We'll see. And they're going to try and make a game in, in a year and a half off of what they already had in their mind. But it was also a Vietnam game, so we don't know... If Treyarch's what they were already developing for BO5, which is what they're calling it. (laughs) I don't even want to go down that path yet. Um, That they're going to take those and then take it to the finish line at this point. The worry to me is, are they going to have to just rebuild the whole thing now? Because Raven, because whatever Raven had isn't what Treyarch's system is, what they've built up, their entire philosophy. There's just so many ifs on this that i think it's very possible that this allows for with so little time no bullshit they have to pick one idea one vision and they got to make the game and this could be one of those situations where they take coal you know and you compress it and it becomes a diamond you know the whole metaphor there this could be one of those scenarios but i think it's so unlikely that based on like how much work treyarch had to take on because of the blue screen issue and all the support that has had to go into this game, they still have two or three more DLCs that are going on that they're going to have to deal with, or excuse me, two DLCs. And I think two or three events is what I meant to say for BO4. So now they're splitting their team to still cover BO4, finish up things on BO3. 
I mean, they still have some stuff with that to fix, and now they have to make another game in a year. As much as Sledge and Raven are going to help them with this process, you have... Oh my God! They're they're thousands and thousands of miles away. That's so many cooks in the kitchen, and then you don't have that vision, right? You don't have everybody under one office saying like, "All right, this is what we're doing." You have guys that could be working on something for a week, a month, maybe before a phone call comes from the Treyarch, being like, "No, no, that's not what we're going for at all." There's gonna oh, I just can't, I can't imagine the stress on the developers. I just, I think they're gonna be destroyed by this game. I think it's got to be stressful, but I would imagine that, like, there's a side of me that says, okay, good that, um, good that if this game is a mess, I think it's a good thing that it was taken out of Sledgehammer and Raven's hands. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm happy with that decision because I would much rather them try to fix what was wrong than turn in a bad game. Yes. Because I, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be shocked if maybe, like, Sledgehammer who's typically used to being the lead, didn't play nice. Now being second fiddle to Raven, mm-hmm. who has mm-hmm. traditionally been second fiddle. Mm-hmm. Um, on all games. They've been helping on all games since Ghost, I believe. They just, Raven they've is, been Raven, is kind of, Raven has been that, that support team since, like, Ghost. Now they're at Helm, and now Sledgehammer's been moved to the support team. I bet that, that absolutely hurt chemistry between the two studios. Mm-hmm. Um so, so then now to have Treyarch step in, I think this is a good thing. I think Treyarch, obviously, not not terms, not even discussing workload, but just in terms of leadership, mm-hmm. Treyarch has traditionally been one of the best in terms of vision and delivering on that. And Black Ops Four hasn't always lived up to that vision, but yeah, so previous titles delivered on most games. Yes, previous titles. Yes, like I, I don't, I don't think you can use Black Ops Three to or Black Ops Four to judge Treyarch as a whole. No. So, so in terms of like leadership, I think this is good and then i'm sure that sledgehammer and raven will assist Treyarch in doing so mm-hmm. but i would also imagine that if this is the case resources are going to be allocated drastically which will help alleviate the stress mm-hmm. i wouldn't be surprised if now that Treyarch, because in the activision had to fund three studios to make three games mm-hmm. you know so now all of that money Treyarch's budget has essentially just doubled right there Hopefully, you know, hopefully, if that's how it like, works, like, and they don't decide to start cutting people or changing things because of this, ho- on paper it should. Well, 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 think, think about it, think about it like this: though. every Call of Duty, let's say, has a budget. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know how much Call of Duty's budget is, but let's say Call of Duty has a budget mm-hmm. of like two hundred million. You know, sure, sure. I don't for know. each, I don't actually, I have no idea what it actually. I think it's way more, but yes, for easy, yeah. So let's say there's 200 million mm-hmm. we'll then do this cold world call of duty. And if that's the case, then that 200 million now in theory should go to Treyarch. That money could then be used to hire staff, to expand, to better equip themselves for this new title. If this means that now with this extra money, they can double their number of scripters. And did you, how much did you get what I said? Oh, it, it, we lost a little bit there toward the end, but we got, we got a majority of, uh, a very good positive outlook toward what, what yeah, you were like, saying. I, I just I, think the re- I, I, I would be hard pressed to imagine that Activision went in and said, this, this game's a mess. Let's go double Treyarch's workload. I think they're yeah. going to get the support they need. And I really do hope the heads at Treyarch go to Activision and say, you know, this is a lot you're giving to us. And you've trusted us for many years. Give us the support we need. I mm-hmm. hope they do. Yeah, I I want to add a couple things too to this. Um, I think one positive one just 
from the article. Uh, Jason commented about how both Glenn Schofield and uh, the other studio head at Sledgehammer, Michael Condry, they were both promoted, but basically pushed out of Call of Duty, which lost Sledgehammer. And uh, his quote in the article was they were hemorrhaging employees from Sledgehammer and that they all went and started a new gaming company in Silicon Valley under uh, Michael Condry. Schofield's doing his own thing. But the Sledgehammer team basically became bare bones during this mass exodus. We know our friend of the show, Cameron Dayton, also left and went to Bioware. Everyone left Sledgehammer because clearly the writing was on the wall that that studio was not doing well. And here it comes to pass that they became second fiddle to Raven and then eventually couldn't even publish a game. So that ended up being uh, potentially a contributing factor to the state of the... the failed is strong... Uh, the the unaccomplished game between Raven and Sledge that was supposed to come out in 2020. Uh, for Treyarch, too, if they have to stick with the Cold War era because they can't throw away what Raven and Sledge already worked on, to me, that's exciting news because even if it's BO5, which I detest, I detest another Black Ops name and having five dumb yeah, slashes, I, I they got to stop. They they will now shake. We won't have specialists. I hope to God we won't have specialists. It won't feel like BO3 anymore. It won't feel like BO3.5. It won't feel like BO4. It's going to feel like Vietnam, and that could be refreshing, hopefully, to Call of Duty. Hopefully that's a shakeup that we're, we're looking for inside a Call of Duty game right now that we haven't really seen. And again, I appreciate everybody uh, being patient with John's uh, internet connection right now. He's in Germany. <laughs> like, he doesn't have a stable apartment yet and everything together. So we are, are trying our, our best to get it all together. But, John, while I fix this, you can continue to give some of your opinions and thoughts on this. Uh, I mean, this, I, I went upstairs and I had to talk to my mom about this. She was sleeping. I'm like, Mom, I got I to gotta talk to somebody about this. This is nuts. <laughs> that breaking news. Yeah, so I meet like I said, I immediately rolled my eyes following Black Ops Four. Mm-hmm. I still have a decent bit of faith, or Black Ops Five. I still have a decent bit of faith in the project, just because I trust Trey. It's basically mm-hmm. semi excited as a content creator because I wasn't expecting zombies from the next Sledgehammer game. Mm-hmm. So now, in theory, we should only have to wait for a year for Treyarch zombies. Yeah, which means we'll also only have to wait for a year for the Chaos story continuation. Mm-hmm. Um, that is exciting. Like, like I. I for some reason, I feel like the reaction to this was a mixed bag of worry. Like, a lot of people don't like the name Black Ops. Sentiment against Call of Duty is at an all-time high. Mm-hmm. I think people are worried that Treyarch can't handle an extra game, which remains to be seen, although I'm cautiously optimistic. Overall, I mean, the title of the game doesn't matter to me in the sense that, like, you know, they can call it Black Ops 5, but as we've seen from every Black Ops game, it could be anything. Mm-hmm. I'm cautiously optimistic about this project. Am I, am I like, am I just like, am I, is there something I'm missing? Uh, time problems because. Oh, t- I mean, time is huge. Yeah, yeah. If they just got this dumped on them out of nowhere and there's like no chance that they're going to be able to have enough resources and have enough manpower because there's something I wanted to add in the, um, uh, what was it? The raising Kratos uh documentary watch is a fabulous one and i'm using it it's because it's recent news and they're one of the they won the game of the year so that's one of the 
leader studios you could look to. They're also Santa Monica based. They're Santa Monica studios. So I think there's a lot to be learned and understood about them. Uh, but basically they had a game that got canceled. They were working on two games at once and one game got canceled. So they had 900 new employees overnight and they weren't ready for them. And so they had 900 people being like, what are you doing? Like, have you guys been doing anything at all these past months while we were working on this other game? And that actually hurt them because they didn't have all the things ready for them to work on. They had 940 people waiting for a job and they're like, we're just not ready for you. We, we don't, we don't know what we're, we weren't ready for this whatsoever. Yeah. So that's, that's my concern. And I'm, I'm here. Here's, here's my counter to that. Sure. Uh, Treyarch and Raven or Sledgehammer and Raven traditionally been just like uh support role. Mm-hmm. You know, like even Sledgehammer before was a bit of a support team to Call of Duty. Well, what if we find, find Treyarch in a situation where it's not that they suddenly gain a bunch of employees overnight. Mm-hmm. but they basically gain a bunch of helpers. And so Treyarch is now going to lead the project and is going to take what's already and then sprinkle their Treyarch magic in. And then mm-hmm. just basically just assign, you know? Like, so Sledgehammer still works. And Treyarch just says to Sledgehammer, all right, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to do that. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to send it back to us and we're going to put it into our game and you're going to do it whether you like it or not because we are the directors now. Yes. You know? They they Where did this with a previous successful like con. It'll it'll function like they gained a bunch of employees, but it should have the workflow of, or it should have the workflow of them gaming gaining a bunch of employees without the dysfunction. And I also just think that this isn't Treyarch's first rodeo. Yeah. In terms of making a game in a two year cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like like they've done this six or seven times now, so it's like oh, just pull up the old design documents and project documents from previous Call of Duties. And borrow those timelines and those time frames. Mm-hmm. And now this is going to crunch, and maybe Black Ops Three may suffer from this. Mm-hmm. Bo Four, Black Ops Four, Black Ops Four. Black, what you said? Bo Three would suffer from this. That's already dead. No, Black, yeah, Bo Four might suffer mm-hmm. for this. Like I know there's, yeah, I, I think some people have saw this and said Rip Zombie Chronicles Two. Yep, and Season Pass, all uh, Season Pass Two people were rumored about. It seems like all the support for Black Ops Four is is absolutely about to fall through the the floor. But I think, John, the writing was on the wall for that, too, where we saw that Activision wasn't supporting BO4 at this point. It looks like they were already moving on to Modern Warfare 4, as they typically do in their life cycles. And BO4 was just a a bad go. Treyarch had one oopsie, right? This is their big oopsie Mm -hmm. of a game. So the next one's really going to be that pressure cooker to say, all right, you got to hit this one. Here's what could be good, though. Here's Mm -hmm. why this this game could be good. Mm Mm-hmm. So if Black Ops 4 taught Treyarch one thing, mm-hmm. it's that you should not fight off more than you can. You know, this game was way too ambitious for its time frame, and the game mm-hmm. suffered as a result. You know, the game was not mm-hmm. ready. It was, too, it was two months too early. Mm-hmm. Um, so now what they're going to be given is a happy game. They're going to be given this Black Ops 5 that's maybe a third of the way done. Mm-hmm. You know, like the groundwork is laid out. And they're going to come into this project with the recent burns of Black and say let's go back to the basic let's just do a call of duty and do it right let's not worry about having a million features let's just do what we know best and mm-hmm. this would work well for this project because we're restricted on time mm-hmm. like if they can really learn from the mistakes of black ops 4 go back to call of duty's roots bare basis then i think this project might actually be exactly what they need and this game could be the redemption for Treyarch. 
and then and then from there everybody loves them Mm -hmm. yeah giving giving a team a three-year timeline allows people to get ambitious and sometimes ambition isn't always a good thing Mm -hmm. so giving them this half-baked game on a restricted timeline maybe maybe the maybe the design the design like constrictions that yeah. actually help them kind of get on track yeah you don't now, have time not, just go now, around I, I can also see a universe in which they're like ah shit activated you just handed us a fucking turd mm-hmm. and like no i don't know how many ribbons we can put on this turd but it ain't gonna make it look any prettier Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that could happen too. Absolutely, and this game could bomb and could further hurt Treyarch's reputation. And then mm-hmm. maybe we'll find out in articles later. They're like, "Yeah, this was just not the game we wanted to deliver. Yep. We were given a shitty project and told to make it pretty, and we couldn't." Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I don't know. I just I have this, and, and this wasn't and this wasn't a this wasn't an optimism that I had a while ago, um, or I had when I first read the article. Mm-hmm. When I first read the article, I kind of rolled my eyes at the title Black Ops. Made me go, ooh, oh, this makes me God, sure yeah. the future of Call of Duty. But as I talk about it and kind of share my thoughts with you and think through it, I'm starting to become more optimistic. Yeah, it's because, again, I think it, it cuts away the fat. And some people you might not know in chat, and that's why I want to reiterate this, because me and John did have the privilege and we were fortunate enough to be flown out and talk to developers over and over again. That staff is a lot of them are from World at War, some from Big Red One, some from the Casino Royale game they published in the Spider-Man games. Some of those people have been there a very long time, the developers, and they even show that in the video developer diaries. So you do have seasoned veteran developers that hopefully are in management roles or on the ground floor teams trying to remember what it was like during those shorter deadlines to make these games. I I don't know how true it is, but chat suggested that World at War is made in nine months. And I, what's one of my favorite games of all time is Call of Duty World at War, but I didn't play Modern Warfare 4. So again, it's this mixed bag of, uh, if you start with Modern Warfare or Call of Duty 4, people just uh, despised going back to World War II, and we've come almost full circle when Call of Duty World War II came out, the 15th title in the Call of Duty uh, series. This has potential. You, you, you've brought up a lot of good points, too, that um, if if they can get the work done, there's a lot of potential here for something that could go well. My concern, as soon as I heard it, though, was just, can the communication be strong enough between all three studios? Can the developers not burn out after they've gotten no reprieve from a very rough BO4 launch? This might help them in the same case that BO4 was such a rough launch that within a year, they can already erase that mistake. That we, Oh, yeah, no, it's already gone. We don't have to wait. We don't have all these years sitting and waiting to dislike BO4 and waiting to dislike BO5. God, I cannot, I just, no, not BO5. Call it Black Ops Vietnam. Black Ops, for, that's a horrible name. But Black Ops, one of their stupid subtitles, just not Black Ops 5. You want to talk about fatigue, that's what worries me, is that supposedly we had zombies this year, and then we were going to get a season pass 2, that was rumored, so that would have been another year of zombies, seven straight years, and now instead of getting reprieve from World War II, Eight straight years of zombies. Having five, five Black Op titles, there's fatigue. That's why they stopped like numbering well, movies because well, of fatigue. Be, there won't be a, uh, there, there won't be eight straight years of zombies because I don't think there's going to be zombies in the next Call of Duty. So it's going to be a one year gap. Well, no, that would have been the season pass two for Treyarchs would have had zombies still uh, going. Uh, well, well, 
well, if well, that what happens, if season, what if the season two gets scrapped and then gets worked into this? Next see, Black Ops see, 5? that's what I, I think I that's better. That. Yeah, I, I think give us, give us, give us a year to breathe, mm-hmm. and we'll get Treyarch a year to breathe. Because yeah. you know, like if they're doing the season pass too, yeah, then they probably have like they have, they're probably a bit of it. You know, I can't imagine the resources if they have to do a season pass too while developing the next game. It's got to be uh, you're. It just there's too many people now. Like we we understand that that that's. I, I don't care how little you have. Ten people, twenty people working on whatever season pass. That's taken away from Bo3. Those are crucial people. You need every person possible in Treyarch Studio working on B- Bo5. I keep saying Bo3. Oh my god, the names. I also made a mistake of calling Call of Duty Four Modern Warfare Four earlier too. So I apologize for those. But the yeah. name they all blur together. Speaking of the names, I just saw a great comment from Hannes. Uh, yeah, said they're going to call it Black Ops, but it's going to be Black Ops v. v for Vietnam. Ah, there you go. There's a, there honestly, you go. There, there's a there's a side of me that likes that enough to accept the Black Ops Five. Like yeah. I already said, titles don't mean anything to me because like Black Ops One, Two, Three are all style and print. Mm-hmm. Yet they're all like a Black Ops title. Like, I roll my eyes at Black Ops 5, but the title doesn't mean nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they can call it Call of Duty Poopy Pants. They can, call it, they, can call it, they can call it Black Ops 6, the search for Black Ops 5, the search for more money, mm-hmm. and whatever's in the game's <laughs> in the game. Oh, and someone commented about um, why why not just skip a year. Um, Activision has made it, Activision Blizzard mm, makes it skip a year. abundantly clear that they, uh, excuse me, want to be the best game every year. Best-selling game. If you, if you skip a year, then that's that's a that's hundreds of millions of dollars down the toilet. Yeah, never, never uh, happened. Not only potential revenue, but also lost revenue because they've already invested money into this game. It's coming yep. out. Yeah. Um, whether it's whether it's half baked or it's or mm-hmm. it's ready. In comparison, uh, because again, game of the year last year. I I don't mean to. Uh, to bore you with this comparison over and over again, but I very much use it as a good jumping point, just so you have a comparison. Uh, God of War was considered a critical success because it sold like 2.1, 2.3 million copies out of the gate. That was incredible. Big success. Call of Duty Black Ops 4 sold 8.2 million and was a failure. Call of Duty is still in a different stratosphere in the minds of Activision and the publishers. It's like the Star Wars of the film industry. The, they just are so much bigger than everybody else. It's it's unbelievable. It's it's so tough to hear people be like, COD's dead, oh, it's all over, critical failure. It's like, in comparison to the rest of the gaming industry? No. To Activision standards and all the developers search for continuous growth? Yes. And that perspective is something I want to give to both the audience in this conversation that I think is needed because every time we're like doomsday, it's like, look at the numbers. These are still industry leading numbers. It's unbelievable. And I don't mean to use that too over and over again, but I can't imagine selling 8.2 million copies of something and it being a, a commercial failure. If you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah, that's the that's the world we live in. Oh, 
All right. Well, uh, what do we? That was pretty deep in that conversation. I think I hit on all the major points about this. Is there any more thoughts you wanted to talk about on this Treyarch taking the reins here? It, it's it, to me, it's hit or miss, man. This is this yeah. is the pinnacle. This is will Call of Duty break on this 2020 in the sense that the interest will just fall. People will just be like, yeah, it's Call of Duty, whatever. It's just you know one of those games that comes out. I th- I think. Um this is going to be make or break for call of duty um i also anticipate that this is not only just going to be a change in developer cycle but also a change in form mm-hmm. um i think uh, i'm really hoping they radically rethink the call of duty business model and maybe this will be part of that because mm-hmm. I, I think call of duty is an outdated model from a decade ago mm-hmm. um and if there's a team that could take on a challenge like this it's Treyarch. So that gives me a bit of optimism. Mm-hmm. But it remains to be seen. I do think, though, this could make or break Call of Duty. Absolutely. Um, it could do really well. If, if this game is a hit, um, totally restores faith in Treyarch. Restores faith, I think, in Call of Duty as a franchise. Also shows that this is a franchise that can handle adversity. Mm-hmm. Um, if it fails, though, uh, this could be the end of Call of Duty. To transition real quick, Chad... Velis in chat said he just wanted to mention that I use your link to buy an iron size Tetra and it's running like a champ and allowed me to branch out and try a ser- try new series and various genres. I love it. Oh, thank you to our sponsor, Ironside Computers, for helping out the community. That's what I love to hear. If you ever use our uh, links that support Ironsides, make sure to tweet at them and at mention us and thank them for their wonderful support of the show. Without them, we wouldn't be I wouldn't be streaming right now. They sent me this bad boy. So I do appreciate that. And I want to give them that nice shout out. Um interesting. Now that you have your now yeah. that you have your Ironside computer, mm-hmm. you can use this to play high powered games like Universal Paper. Exactly. The the definitive game. Only second only outclassing Tetris ninety nine. Not on PC. Marginal. Unfortunately. Marginally outclassing Tetris ninety nine. Um so I do want to also bring up, uh, I, this wasn't on our docket, but it just reminded me because people said BO4 was the most anti-consumer uh, Call of Duty ever released to date. And I think there is a solid argument for that. And I've seen a lot of videos breaking that down. And even seeing the multiplayer community frustrations is, is, is even more frustrating for them uh, and for us as content creators. But a law, Missouri law, was it? Somebody in chat, give me the representative. They're making progress on uh, proposing a law to ban loot boxes in the United States. And it's got a lot of steam behind it. People are not fans of video games in the Congress, as out of touch as they are. Like, violent video games make people violent, even though there's no correlation. Uh, there's been comments from the head of the gambling association it's the people that look to understand gambling rehabilitate people who have gambling disorders uh did analysis on uh, the loot boxes and they basically equated it to slot machines and how it has those elements like those definitions of what a slot machine and how gambling addiction is built and works in they have those noises and the light and like the things that get you excited and engaged with it to want you to keep going um, those have been proven to be inside these games and there has been some scientific research, but I don't know if it's peer reviewed. So take that with a grain of salt to suggest that the gambling addiction part of gaming, there is a problem with individuals and especially adolescents that are dealing with this. All that basically adds up to Congress is making some 
progress against anti-consumer microtransactions and uh, gambling practices inside video games. And that makes me wonder how that will affect Call of Duty if the law like that gets passed in this small time frame. It was Missouri. Okay. I, because it, it's so heavily microtransaction in Black Ops 4 or incorporate it. It's, it's the core of the game. Like it seems like the game was built around microtransactions in in many respects that or they were built hand in hand. It's not an afterthought. It's not something to enhance the game. It's a core mechanic of Call of Duty games lately is their microtransaction systems. So I'm curious how if that law gets passed, what that'll do to what you were talking about that development process of Call of Duty, that change of Call of Duty, will they completely be changing their, their philosophy on how they make the game? Dude, I'm so rooting for this. I'm so rooting for this. At least in the way I envision it. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, good. Fuck, fuck loot boxes. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. let's get rid of them. And you know what's gonna really burn them if uh, when they're doing their like when they're uh, when they're doing I guess they're presenting. I have no idea how Congress works, truthfully. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I do. I do know how Congress works, but I don't know like they're doing their campaigning for their law. Shall I? You know, it's gonna be huge against them. Every mm -hmm. every like live loot crate reaction video where it's like we're gonna open up a thousand liquid divinium, mm -hmm. uh, um, and you know they're gonna have millions of views, and they're just going to be the perfect display of addiction. They're gonna be like, look at this, just spent thousands of dollars on this stuff. Yeah, and then he's showing it live to fans who are now addicted to. Look at this, a million people just watched Noah J four five six gamble. And he's clearly addicted to gambling because he bought a thousand of them. And now, obviously, they're not going to understand that Noah J is doing this because people are going to watch it. He's going to make his yep, money back. Yep, yep, just, yep. Look at this poor gambling victim who just spent thousands of dollars on liquid divinium, a fake currency, much like a chip at a casino. Mm -hmm. you know, that's going to... All those all those Loot Crate unboxing videos are going to burn any, any, uh, any objection to this law. I mean, you. I didn't even think uh, about that point. That's a great evidence, especially I think of that streamer that didn't get what he wanted to, and he burns more money on. They're just playing yeah, video documentation. Yeah. All it takes is all it takes is for one guy to spend a thousand bucks live on YouTube, not get what he want, and then throw him. And because because like this is the one time where I'm kind of almost glad that Congress doesn't exactly know what. Because like I understand the entertainment side of it, and that the guy mm -hmm. that's doing it isn't doing this because he's addicted but because it's it's but just the fact that it's entertainment alone watching somebody gamble mm -hmm. um could be could be a point to be made but like they're not going to understand it so they're just going to take it at its face value and assume the worst and that's going to hurt loot um it'll be interesting to see if the gaming industry ponies up in lawsuit you're not this lawsuit lobby against this, uh law and even try to challenge it i mean definitely there's, there's enough money to be made that would suggest that they will try to fight. Um, but in the way that I, that just bans loot boxes, um, I'm really rooting for it. But also, side of me also doesn't trust these lawmakers to get it right. Yeah, definitely. Um, and not in the way that like they're going to be bought and do it. And they're going to be bought and the law is actually going to be really ineffective, but that they're just not, not going to know what they're doing. Maybe even get too far. 
Yeah. So what they brought up, there's a whole bunch of things I want to bring up on this too, is uh, microtransactions, right? Do you just ban all microtransactions? Well, that's not what we want because we like DLC. We like getting more stuff to our games. So that's the nuance they might lose in a build like this, that they're going to be like, hey, guess it's what? It's tough. I want, I want them to understand what's going on just enough to ban it in exactly the way I want. Mm-hmm. But also dumb enough to like to not understand the yeah like the profit and because they can get bought out by lobbyists and all that the gaming industry is talked out big time against this law obviously they are super opposed to this uh law being passed and they keep citing all these sources of where they went up in foreign countries in the eu and it was okay it was proved it wasn't gambling Funny enough, in that same argument, they didn't mention Belgium and the other countries that banned it and considered it gambling. So there, there's both sides. There is information and there is evidence that people have determined it to be gambling and have not. So this is going to come down to the lawmakers. I wanted to bring up, uh, chat pointed this out, and I do know about these. Uh, Call of Duty is one instance, but even worse is FIFA, and specifically named in this proposal was Candy Crush and how Candy Crush is predatory on the people who play those games. And that also doesn't get into the M for Mature argument because anybody can download Candy Crush. That is purposely predatory towards children. And the law centered around protecting children. That's the pushing theme of this. That's I don't see how you're going to lose that steam when they keep saying we need to protect children. We need to protect children from this. And I, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. That's the problem when they steal mom and dad's credit and, card or don't understand. But, but, the manipulation this we this we need protect children thing might also be what kills the teeth um uh, because if this law mm-hmm. doesn't have any teeth then mm-hmm. it might as well not exist right you know so if it's we need to protect children then the law may say uh ban loot boxes in games with an esrb rating lower than m at which point call of duty is like yeah who gives a shit yes yeah then then, then they dodge the bullet um but or, there's... you know, Call of, Call of Duty may Call of Duty may even not Call of Duty Activision, let's say, may even um, go to these lawmakers and say, "You're right, we need to fight." So let's make sure all M-rated games don't have this, or all games that aren't M-rated don't have this. That way, children don't get, you know, Activision mm-hmm. um, may say, "Like we we never allow this in our sky." You know, keep it to the M games. Right. So Jim, like they they may they no. may appear to be on the side of uh, this law. Mm-hmm. but just keep it away from the m rated games okay so let me uh jmmj0103 uh suggest to us and i think he might have a a good understanding to add to our current understanding but again i don't i can't verify this the legislation is described as only banning real cash loot boxes and pay to win mechanics is is the way they have talked about it inside the legislation which would be good if you can just buy a thing outright that's what we've all talked about. We want to know the real value price, buy it outright, and um, uh, doesn't get rid of microtransactions as DLCs and other things we want. And people in chat are also agreeing that FIFA is uh, the worst offenders of microtransactions. There was a guy that spent uh, two or $10,000 on Inside Gaming, another wonderful news channel about gaming journalism and gaming news stories. Uh, definitely recommend them. They, Funhouse does it as well. They had a source of an individual that spent somewhere between, it was either two or 10 grand trying to get a specific team out of packs in FIFA. So that is, that is 
Wow. And Crazy Rabbit comments too. One thing I never understood is when I was a kid, I wasn't that stupid to spend money on things like this or my mom would never give me the card. Are kids today just dumb or do parents really not care? I think it's old people not understanding. Like all of a sudden they're like, oh, I want to buy something nice for my kid, right? My kid just gets a credit card. They understand, especially with Amazon, making things easier for adults. When I was young, I remember how difficult it was for my parents to trust any online websites. Come now 10, 20 years later, every website is trusted, whether it's information or giving them credit cards. So now you take those parents that don't understand this stuff and a kid that says, oh, I just want to buy something quick. And they, oh, five bucks, the kid, oh, that's fine. And then the kid gets that feeling, gets that addiction. And they're just like, oh, but I want a little more. And I want a little more. And good thing, the card's automatically saved. That's how these systems work, right? The kid entered the card, doesn't want to say enter it again and they can just keep pressing they can keep buying this stuff i think it manipulates them there are bad parents involved in kids that don't understand the value of money which then would come back to uh bad parents again parenting again but i think it's too simple an argument to just blame the kids are dumb and the parents are are just bad parents i think there's also way smarter people than you just like way smarter people than us that make you stay on social media the whole point is to keep you addicted to going on Facebook, Instagram, because that's how they make money. And that is the profit motive of this country. Keep them on our website. Keep them watching YouTube videos. We make more money. There are really intelligent in, uh, engineers creating algorithms to keep us addicted to these things. And that same amount of uh, research is going into game making. And I think that's something that we need to at least acknowledge. It doesn't have to be the whole argument, but I think that's something that contributes along with poor parenting and children not understanding things. From my perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wanna I wanna address a comment. I saw this one. Yes, from, please. Uh, yeah, yeah. This from also comes uh He said the law also is banning these things made for kids or in games devs no kids play. COD is definitely one of them. Uh that might be how the law is written now, but laws change a lot. Um uh, and laws also become incredibly bloated. And, and what could happen is there could be there could be enough lobbying from EA and Activision and Ubisoft and all those things to say, no, take that out. We don't need to include in the law games that developer knows games that developers know kids play because we already have a helpful system like the ESRB. This is redundant. Mm -hmm. um, make this the jurisdiction of the ESRB, which also isn't a governing body, which no. would be huge for them. Um, like just because it's in the law now doesn't mean that it will be in the law when it goes into effect or is even voted on. You know, yeah, yeah, like, and, and, and so, so that's why I'm like, that's why I'm speaking as if a lot of this is up in the air, yeah. One, because I don't know exactly how this is all going to play out because I haven't read the law, but also because I know this will change a little, or I assume it will, yeah. And, and then we get into the unintended consequences, they put this law out, and then that causes a whole new way of trying to get, uh, uh, money from consumers because they're still going to want to do that. They're still going to want their microtransactions. So how are they going to try and get around the gambling components of it, right? Is it going to be the slowdown mechanics to make games go faster? It's not gambling, but you pay to go faster in the game when they put up roadblocks. There, there's a lot of stuff that uh, could come out of this in not a positive manner that has me concerned, to say the least. That's a speed run. I want to let you guys see that. So, okay. Do you want to get to the donator questions of this week? Yeah, it's time for topic time. All right. Second. Hopefully, uh, John, John's mic is getting a little fuzzy, but we're, again, we're working on German internet right now. 
John doesn't have like his whole service provider all set up and all that. He's just a temporary. Are you staying there? German internet. The Are you staying there the entire time, or do you have your own uh, apartment? What the fuck was that? Okay. Uh, John, are you like, is this where you're staying now or are you going somewhere else? No, um, I'm in my sister's uh, apartment right now. Shout out to Alex for allowing me to use her bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, she lives here in the city. She lives in Berlin. Um, so I'm staying with her. That's how I was able to go a little bit earlier. I get my official apartment tomorrow. There um, it is. Hopefully the internet in that apartment is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is just a temporary location. Yes. So that's kind of where we are for your understanding. At one point, there was a really disgusting noise made by Discord, but that noise is gone now. Oh, that's different. Okay, that's when sure. I was like, "That's when I was like, what the fuck?" <laughs> like a bunch of weird beeps and different pitches and tones, and it was, it was gross. Ooh. Uh, but it's time for topic time. Woo! And then donate your questions. First one comes from Gaming Pro. He says, "Where will the next map for the story go?" Uh, assuming you're talking, uh, is he? I wonder, is he talking Treyarch or? Uh, Treyarch or fucking uh, Ether Chaos? Or, is that what you're asking? Yeah, I got you. I got Sorry. you. No, you're fine. If it's if it's chaos, I assume Alexandria. If it's Ether, anywhere. Well, and most uh, likely Nuketown, but it could be anywhere. I'm hoping oh, yeah, it's Nuketown. anywhere, but it's probably Nuketown, from what we heard. Nuketown. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denizen asks, "What did you think of Endgame?" And this made me realize: Did we not talk about Endgame on the show? I don't think we did on the show. Um, did we ever do the, we did the end game bonus episode. Yeah, oh, that's absolutely. Bonus that's why episode. we did it. And I talked myself blue. You can check out all my opinions on Film and Focus. That's a channel yeah. that uh, is linked at least in my suggested channels and most of my latest videos. But I actually don't think the link is in mine right now. But mm-hmm. go check it out. Uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, yeah. So we we talked about it in depth in a bonus episode. So if you want to check that out, uh, it's in the Zombros Discord. Uh, you got to be a patron to check that out. Yep. Um, I've seen it now three times. I really right. like it. I don't think it's as good as Infinity War, but I mm-hmm. think it's different in a way that it's it's about as satisfying to a conclusion as I could have asked for. Mm-hmm. You know, like if zombies could have a conclusion this satisfying, I would oh. be thrilled. Um, and I'm I think all it's okay payoffs. that this all about. I think that. it's okay that this movie was different from Infinity War, or wasn't as good as Infinity War, just because the payoff was so good. And this yep. video, the movie didn't need to be better than Infinity War. Nick, oh my god, Nick in chat. Dread it. Run from it. Newtown arrives all the same. (laughs) Those are my thoughts thoughts on Endgame. What were yours? Um, The brief one is I'm all about payoffs. That's why in Game of Thrones there's like a there's a better battle that I say absolutely is a better made battle. It's a better enjoyable battle Easy. all the way around. But the payoff leading up to the loot train is what people would probably be able to know without spoilers. I adore that because it's years and years of payoff. Uh, Avengers was all about payoff for me. It, it doesn't matter if you can shick, trick me, shock me with the story. That doesn't help if the foreshadowing isn't there. Um, a good or If the uh, development isn't there. The line I wanted to use was foreshadowing isn't character development. And Marvel worked for 10 years on character development, and they gave us an incredible payoff for a majority of the char- the main characters we cared about. To me, I-, I couldn't ask for something better. I adored it. Now, does my hand go go into the-, the frame over here? It does. Oh. Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, I had no idea. Um, 
Because I can't see you. Uh, yeah, don't worry. Dr. Monty says, John, what are your thoughts on Liverpool's comeback? Oh, son of a bitch. Uh, the past few weeks in the Premier League. And what programming project are you most proud of? Mm-hmm. Uh, very happy for Liverpool's comeback. Um, I'm excited to see them in the final. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not actually going to the final, but I'm excited to see them. Hopefully they'll win it this year. Mm-hmm. I think it's high time. Jurgen Klopp wins a trophy. Uh, as for the Premier League, disappointed, but I also kind of figured that they weren't going to win the league. Um, not happy about the City winning, but what are you going to do? Uh, as for programming project, I'm most proud of. Uh, hmm. I don't know. That's tough to say. I don't know if I have a project I'm most proud of. I like a lot of little stuff, but none of that. Yeah, this is this, this is the. Um, I don't know. I do a lot of little stuff. I don't have any like big overarching projects that I'm like, yeah, I'm super. But I, like, it's like, what can I say? I love all my children. Yeah, but that's also college too, because like once you get out uh, of college, no, then you get your big yeah, projects. Like, I have a lot of co- I have a lot of college. I have a lot of college projects. Yeah, that some of them I think are cool, or some of them I'm really happy with. Others I'm like, eh, I just did it to do it. Mm-hmm. And there's a decent number of them that have been stressful enough or time-consuming enough that I'm just like, like I don't give a shit. <laughs> Fuck this project. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, I don't ever want to think about it, even though technically it was a project that I mm-hmm. did and I probably put on my resume or, like, is in my wheelhouse of things to talk to to uh, potential employers. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, other soccer question, Liverpool or Spurs, which was the more impressive comeback? What, what uh, is this? Normally Spurs. it's one. What is this? Okay, well, the reason it's two is because last week or two weeks, two of like the best comebacks that have ever happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the final, which is like your the year. So the the year. Fuck, I can't speak. The Champions League final, which yep. is basically the soccer equivalent of the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. is, is next. Is and the, both legs of the semifinals had incredible. Um, so in one instance, Liverpool came down three nothing from Barce, Barcelona in, in the uh, in like, whereas Spurs also came back from three nothing, but they did they made their comeback in forty five. Uh, um, I think Spurs comeback was more impressive because they were doing it away from home in Amsterdam. Also had less time to do so. However. Liverpool's was also super clutch. While I support Liverpool over Spurs, uh, Spurs' comeback was more impressive. Now for Call of Duty question, also from Ed. He said, I'm sure this will be the main topic regarding COD 2020, but what do you think the most radical thing Treyarch could do for Black Ops 5? Ooh, that's a good question. And I, you know, and to be fair also to the soccer thing, I do like the fact that it, that's, that's awesome competition. I love hearing stories about, you know, that intense comebacks and back and forth. And it's a good celebration of uh, athleticism and uh, mm-hmm. determination. Also another, another note on this comebacks. Yeah. Uh, so in, in these, in this game, so you know how like in baseball, they do, well, they kind of do two games, but, but like as a stipulation to that two series, mm-hmm. um, that two game series, the tiebreaker. So, like, if if another team has scored more goals away from home mm-hmm. than the other team, and they still tie after two games, yeah, then team with more goals. Uh, um, so, so the other teams were in situations where like winning or like like tying wasn't just good enough. If they yeah, they had to win. Like they they or they they couldn't afford to give up 
Ah, that's great. Ah, like there'll be a movie. Not only did you have to make the comeback, but you had to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that, that the first for Liverpool, they had to go 90 minutes without conceding a goal and scoring three goals. Wow. So they, so they went into the game, they needed three goals. But if they gave up, then they needed yep. five. And if they gave up, if they gave up two goals and they needed six, um, so they had to be perfect. Otherwise, the mountain they climbed just doubled just by the nature of how like the tiebreakers work. Yeah, yeah. And uh, live, Tottenham Hotspurs was also in a similar boat, except they had about 45 minutes to do so. Oh, that's great. Everyone loves comeback stories. That's fantastic. So that that's why there are two soccer questions. This okay. Yeah, that's a big deal. All right. Understandably. They're so just, what? They're, they're pretty remarkable. Yes. Uh, but what would you call do? Radical. I think radical is not the answer for Black Ops 5. Yeah. Yeah. Back to the basics. Uh, more so World, than World War II World, even campaigned on, I would radical. say. Oh, and look at Oh, we're losing you, John. John, it's been rough the last I, I five see, minutes. Come I on. Also, uh, complain about that, you know? Well, everybody can, complains about the perk system still to this day, and that was yep. a radical shift, so I think radical is not the answer. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say go, go for greater emphasis on storytelling and experience in maps. And I'm totally saying right now, pull that notebook from the final Reich and make that a part of every map. Turn, turn, not, turn the map into a journey and mm-hmm. then expand on it through the Easter egg. I think I nostalgia and rewards is what they got to lean into. Make it super nostalgia heavy. Oh man, just like my favorite times playing Call of Duty and just reward players constantly. Reward after reward after reward. So that's that Call of Duty feeling like you did in the past. When you would play multiplayer, you killed someone, you're always unlocking stuff, you're always getting stuff. And not these mm-hmm. dumb medals. It just it you were getting sights, you were getting camos, you were getting sight now. We get those through tier skips and we get those through loot boxes. Those used to be the progression systems of the past. You were constantly unlocking. They've been relegated to these awful microtransactions or these awful loot systems. I think yeah. that is what you got to lean into. If you want to talk radical, hit the nostalgia right and get the rewards right. And I think people will be like, oh, man, Treyarch, you're so you're so brilliant, even though they're doing the same thing they used to do. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Cool. Um, make people feel like they're constantly running things. Uh, do you think DLC 4 would be the conclusion to the Aether story if what the new Treyarch, if what the news about Activision Treyarch is true? Uh, I think it was already going to be the conclusion. I think so, but I don't know uh, now. Maybe maybe it causes them to rethink their plans. It could because only a year out they might be like, well, we can maybe sneak D- uh, DLC four in. So we plan on disc launch of of Chaos, a bunch of DLCs on Chaos, and then surprise one more Ether mm, out of nowhere. That could be that could be an interesting thing where it's like they don't actually conclude it in Black Ops Five; they leave it on a cliffhanger and say. It's over. By Black Ops Four by the season pass. Oh, yeah. Of, uh, oh. Yeah. Uh, Ashray Delta says, uh, was looking at the classified quotes and I noticed that Jason and Craig actually know Ultimus better than I thought. Um, <laughs> as in some quotes, they make the character seem like they're regaining some memories. Uh, I'm, I'm either misreading this or, wait, I. And I was noticing him that Jason and Craig actually know Ultimus better than I thought. As in some quotes, they make characters seem like they're regaining some memories, but they are quickly lost. A side fact of one question: Do you see further development of Ultimus? Do you think they may come back for DLC three and four? Uh, by the way, 
Hey, John, did you get the Diarize banner or is Reed being a bastard? Reed is a bastard, man. Uh, I have not heard about my Diarize banner. I told you last week on the show and you told me not to send it to Germany or to your house because you were leaving. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. you're going to send it to me. Once I get my address this week, you're going to mail it. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, once I get my address tomorrow, you're going to mail it to me. Yeah, that's I fine. already have a plan for what I'm going to do with this banner. Oh, boy. Um, I was thinking about this today when I was reading over the questions. Uh, I think there's no doubt that Ultimus is in the next map. Otherwise, they wouldn't have wanted them at the ending of five and been, or classified and been like, come on, we need mm -hmm. you to save the world. They're coming back. Uh, mm -hmm. How much development they'll get remains to be seen. Yeah, I, I have to temper my expectations because I'm very biased and I'm very emotional about how much I enjoy that crew and love that crew. Uh, I I think they might know the outline and some beats of Ultimus, but I still feel like they miss the point of Ultimus from time to time and it frustrates me uh, to no end. But I'm I'm trying to have an open mind. A DLC three and four will be really fun. Will be really intriguing. Ultimus will be involved. But I think there is no doubt in my mind that Jason Craig, the writing team, and the current team at Treyarch, for the most part, Primus is the babies. Primus is their main characters. Primus is their heroes, and Primus is going to be the one to save the day. Not Ultimus. Not the people we grew up with. It's all about Primus. Victus and Ultimus are definitely the uh, ensemble cast to Primus at the end. I don't know if I don't know if I agree with Primus will be the ones to save. Day. Mm -hmm. I hope so, not. I so, hope not. Know, but you know, will prevail. But it's it's. I, I definitely do agree that Craig, Craig probably prefers writing Primus. Uh, Orange Man from says, "How was last week? We missed you guys. Oh, since we missed you guys." Because you don't miss us. Uh, I, for one, got enrolled into college. It's a big market out there. Whoa, whoa you missed that. I missed that. Go, go again. You cut out. Okay, I'll read it all. from. No, no, no. I heard the question. I didn't hear your response. I didn't respond yet. Uh, he oh. said, I, for one, got enrolled in college welding. It's a big market out there. Gotcha. Um, I say good on you. Uh, yeah. That's on enrolling. Or, yeah, I don't know if that's, a, if that's worthy of it. Congratulations, are just like a hell yeah to you. Mm -hmm. Practical skills or like apprenticeships and anything like that. Welding is totally, you know, I, I think, is actually like incredibly undervalued. So good on you. Mm -hmm. um, that's gonna be, I wish you nothing but the best. How was last week for me? It was, it was a little stressful, but also a lot of fun. Um, I was able to do a little bit of traveling. I was going to see my sister. Uh, I've been living out of a suitcase for a week and a half now. But what about you, Reed? How was your week last week? Um, I believe what was last week? I was following my birthday week. My birthday was absolutely a blast. I couldn't have asked for a better birthday. Last oh, week, I never wished you a happy birthday. I'm it, sorry. I'm pretty quiet. Don't be. I'm pretty quiet about that because as soon as you would wish one person a happy birthday on social media, everybody is. And I don't on Facebook, right? So then you don't even know there. So you, you literally have to go put it in your calendar out of your way to remember my birthday. It's to, I find it, I take no offense. It's totally understandable uh -huh. because I just, you know, so many people now you're wishing happy birthdays at least once or twice a week to like three or 400 people. And then, then they're offended if you don't hit them and you don't say happy birthday. It's like, I can't keep up with that shit. I don't want, I don't want to offend people. So I just, your birthday, your birthday is the second birthday. So it should be and plus you will oh. wish me happy birthday before. So I apologize for screwing that one up. Screw it's fine. I appreciate it, John, though. I, I appreciate that. Um I want to talk a little bit about the welding though, because I was listening to my uncle, he's a neurosurgeon, and even he was saying that 
Uh, trade jobs are the things that can't be automated easily, well, or at all currently, and potentially in the future. These are the jobs that are actually making more money than doctors at this point because everyone discouraged people from going to trade schools and encouraged them to go to college. And all these kids without degree or with college degrees are being out earned by people who went to trade school because you you can't automate a plumber, an electrician right now. You, it's just not on the docket because there's so much to it. It's going to be one of those big leaps where actually I was listening to um, uh, Yang. I don't want to get into politics whatsoever, uh, but he talked about the uh, radiology is being automated out. So, you know, even when you're like, you always need doctors, you always need, uh, you know, healthcare providers. You can't automate that. Well, in at least in this pocket here for radiology, uh, a computer and automation can see more shades of gray to read MRIs and scans far better than a human could ever do. And also can reference a larger library of scans than any human could do. So really good on you going to a trade school. I think that's a big thumbs up. And I think I had a very, uh, you know, uneventful week in the sense of just Reed's trying to figure out what he's doing with his life and still not getting it together. A year out, I'm I'm just a year out, I believe now of out of college. I was gonna give my two years to be full time on YouTube. I gotta no, <laughs> I I the writings on the wall. I know what YouTube will be. Is this what we do now? That'll be fine, and, and you will see things as they are. But I definitely need to do other stuff with my life and potentially seek out other opportunities because I'm you know that that's what this week has been. Just like what am I gonna do with my life? <laughs> <laughs> So what else? What uh, else we got? Uh, so we have uh, Dr. Monty says, John, what do you think of the deep fried pictures on Twitter? Uh, I love them. Somebody has been deep frying die rice every day until it gets remastered. I don't so know that meme. And... Deep frying is like, it's, it's a thing you do to an image. So thank you for joining. Okay. The uh, okay. Thank you. How much George, or 1594 George says, how much you the reduced development time will affect the quality of the game at launch? Will it mean less content or bug issues at launch i think definitely less content but, but i'm hoping quality right i think that's what yeah. they got wrong in bo4 was quantity over quality i'm hoping it's quality over quantity so this this might force their hand to go quality so i absolutely i think a good thing um i think quality is absolutely a good thing but i don't know if reduced time is uh but if anybody can handle a reduced time it's treyarch like i i think they can uh, I left hand sorry, just keeps uh, keeps breaking the barriers. It's master what? hand or crazy hand. You can't see it. I have it just if I lean too far, just because the way I'm using it, I can actually go into the gameplay on my end <laughs> with my hand. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Nathan G says, "Do you think? Do you think the way forward is for all three studios to join together as one and work on it as a company rather than three companies working separately?" So that's no way in hell do you ever see. Uh, Will you ever see all three merge into one company? But oh, maybe oh, in a sense that like Sledgehammer took campaign, Treyarch mm -hmm. Zombies, and uh, or maybe maybe one of them takes Blackout instead. Now the campaign is dead, and then Infinity War multiplayer. Mm -hmm. Maybe I, I think very much like I made a video suggesting this, and very much got to come down to one big studio located near one another or you split all three of them and you put them in a, a close area where they can like walk next door like Treyarch can do with Activision just to get things checked out um, but you, you can't have that thousands and thousands of people working on the game like all three studios would be overwhelming again there's too many cooks in the kitchen but on the flip side 
I, I feel like they got to like refocus, right? Get them all by like a, a headquarters. And if they could take a majority of the people and get them in a solid headquarters, that would be better for vision and direction of the game. Also, like, I think if just one whole studio worked on zombies and that was their yes. only focus. Yes. I think that would be great because then they don't have to pull themselves in multiple directions. Yeah, you know, actually. So maybe maybe Super Studio where you can collect all the Infinity Studios and you have <laughs> Zombie Studio and then and then you can have the the, uh, the gauntlet complete and make the perfect COD with the snap of a finger. Um, real quick, one of the things I suggested too was they had that continuous service like you suggested. So you take the other studios, Infinity Ward, Sledgehammer, and Raven, and they all work on this continuous service, kind of like a blackout that goes on forever. And then you have Treyarch do one-off games and that they all, all their focus is on one vision and they're split. And the whole point of them is to be breaking the mold, right? And it doesn't have to be those uh, developers, but this is a game that's going to change the industry. It's going to break the mold. It's going to be the most compelling. They're, they're basically almost like an R and D that they got their game every year that releases, right? That gets them their money, that continuous service has provided. And then every three or four years, Treyarch break brings up this, Whoa, look where this came out of like, that's call of duty. What? I think that would be a an interesting model to try and see how that goes as they put out something that pushes the boundary of what it is to be Call of Duty. Mm -hmm. So that's going to wrap it up yep. for topics. Okay. Thank you to those who submitted them. And thank you to the patrons for helping us out. All right, donate if you are a patron. Mm -hmm. Wait, if you are a patron, I just want to make sure. Yeah, please, please do check out the survey in the uh, in the announcements tab of the Sombros Discord. I see right now that uh, let's see how many people have uh, submitted. I think six. Um, or at least six was the last number I checked, and I'm not seeing it up. But make sure you get your uh, your your voice. We have seven. Make sure you get your voice heard. Please do check it out. We would love it if you did. Wonderful. Um, Nari donates. Thank you so much, my man. If Turk makes a 2020 game, it will 100% will not be done, and I can't justify getting it. I don't know if it's 100% won't be done. It depends if they get too grand. Like we said, they got to go minimalistic, quality over quantity. They got to go with a smaller vision. If they try and make a BO4 version of BO5, absolutely, they'll never finish it. Absolutely. Mr. Drown says, um, donates. Thank you so much. Preserve, gentlemen. We'll be right here with you. Have a good day. Well, thank you. And we will get through this. And Lobster donates. Thank you so much. Treyarch is... Treyarch taking charge of the project will be a struggle for BO4 and the potential of Zombie Chronicles 2, but having three devs working on one COD could mean good things, but it's very up in the air at the moment. Also, thoughts on part of Modern Warfare being free-to-play according to the article. I did miss that. I knew I missed that part of it. Yeah, they're going with free-to-play mechanics inside Modern Warfare 4. They're playing around with that. That's how big an impact free-to-play games, Fortnite, and Apex Legends has had on the Call of Duty franchise. That's big. Mm-hmm. All right, so thank you all so much for coming out to this week of Zombros. We should be back. Uh, what's next Sunday? I got to make sure I'm not going anywhere. I believe we should be fine the 26th. I'll let you know whether or not uh, my stream, my game night stream from Tuesday is bumped to Wednesday this week. So I'll be streaming Wednesday night and Tuesday night of this upcoming week for game nights. Uh, I'll be finishing up Rage 2 and potentially starting a classic game. We might be going down some nostalgia routes. Thank you, everyone, for supporting us, both with the donations on Patreon and just watching the videos as normal. I hope you have an absolutely wonderful day until I see you next, and take care now. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Zombros. Make sure to download the podcast on iTunes and support the show on Patreon if you haven't already. If you have the time, be sure to rate the show because it helps keep the podcast going. Links will be in the description. We'll see you in the next episode.